Do you think you're bad at math? It might not be your fault. Dyscalculia is a learning difference that affects everything from basic arithmetic to complex problem solving. Welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast created to encourage and support parents of special needs children. I'm Tonya Wallum, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to the Water Prairie Chronicles. We appreciate you joining us today. And I wanted to introduce you to someone that I just met this week, actually. Actually, just met today officially, but we've been in touch for the last week because we're in a mutual group on Facebook. And my guest is Michelle Steiner. She lives with an invisible disability, and we're going to get into that today. But she also is a published author. She has her own blog called Michelle's Mission, and we'll give you some contacts for that later. Um, she's a photographer. She works as a peer educator in a school with students with disabilities, so she knows what we're doing with Water Prairie. And she lives in Pennsylvania. And I'm going to ask Michelle to give us a little more detail about who she is, but that's kind of a brief overview there. So, Michelle, welcome to Water Prairie. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Tanya. I appreciate that. Sure. Can you can you give us a little bit more about who you really are? Sure. Well, uh, my name is Michelle Steiner, and I, um, you know, like I live in Pennsylvania, and um, I have a, a learning disability. Um, in math, uh, I have dyscalculia, and um, that that is the math disability. Michelle, I'm going to explain what, what we're doing here. Um, for those that are listening, if you've been with us for the last, for, for season one, you heard us doing a, a 10 question speed round at the end of each interview. And this year we're adding, instead of that, we're starting out with doing a little game called Two Truths and a Lie. And so I'm asking each guest to share two truths about themselves. It can be any fact, um, little known facts or even better, because then people who know you may not know which ones are true. And then to share one fact that's actually uh, an untruth. So can you think of three things that you can share with our audience and let them try to guess what it is? And those that are listening, we'll post these on Twitter and Instagram for the next week, but then we'll give you the answer in a week so you can check back and see if you actually guessed the right answer or not. Sure. Okay. One of the things, I have a, um, a st- three stories coming out in an anthology. That's a, that should be out soon. I just got the, the email that that'll be published. I really haven't done a whole lot of announcing for that because I'm not even sure of the title or what, what's going to happen with that. Um, another thing that, that that's kind of a fun fact about me is uh, we're going to uh, Canada over the summer just to have a nice uh, long vacation. Um, and the third thing that, that um, you know, that is about me is uh, <laughs> we also, I, I have a thing for butterflies and we um, definitely, we uh, had that chance to uh, uh, have butterfly kits and uh, that's one of the things we love to do over the summer. So hopefully we'll have some other butterflies this year. Oh, great. All right. So I don't know which of these are going to be true, but I'm going to have to have to add my guess to it as well. Thank you for, for sharing that with us, Michelle. We will um, have to see, see what, what we can guess on this one. So today we're going to be talking about um, specifically the learning disabilities that, that you've had, at, mm-hmm. I'm sure, diagnosed at different times of your life, because a lot of times these are discovered as a child gets older. But um, but let's let's go back and you, you mentioned them already. But um, but specifically, what are the learning dis- disabilities that you that you do work with? Sure, I have a dyscalculia or dyscalculia, depending on how you pronounce it, and that's the math disability. So 
somebody that has that has a really difficult understanding with a math how numbers work um, I I'm not I don't reverse numbers or letters but I I just don't understand a lot of how that works and I and some of this does go over into other areas as well so it's kind of tough to tell which um, what I have I also have uh, limited hand dexterity in both of my hands and my handwriting is not very neat, and it's also hard for me to do things such as open up locks. Um, it can be really hard for me to use a manual can opener. And when I was in school, we just always thought, oh, bad handwriting, learning disability, people couldn't read what I said. And, and then when I got diagnosed with the hand dexterity, it really opened up like, oh, well, maybe this is part of the reason that I struggle with that, because they, they just didn't diagnose or name that. And then I also have visual perception difficulties. Uh, and what that is, it's not in my eyes, so glasses aren't gonna really do very much. But that also affects my eye-hand coordination. And I'm not able to drive. And I'm definitely uh, not, not a competitive sport person. I like uh, group exercise or individual uh, non-competitive ones. So, it, you know, when I was a kid, everybody thought, well, you're just uncoordinated. That's, that's the learning disability with the dyscalc... And then I look at dyscalculia, and there's so much with that, too, with uh, confusing the right with the left and not knowing where your uh, body is in space. So it's it's kind of tell hard to tell um, sometimes, oh, what area is that really responsible for? Right. So when were you first um, diagnosed with, with dyscalculia? And I, I've always been saying that wrong because I've never heard it said before. I've just seen it written. And, and if it, I'll put the word on the screen for those that are watching YouTube. But if you're listening to this, it looks like um, dyscal, but then I always yeah. thought it was la, but it, there is an IA at the end. So I guess you hear the IA on that too. So. Right. When I was young, I was first diagnosed, it was just, uh, back in the 80s, it was just considered an umbrella term of learning disability. My mom and dad, okay. um, yet yeah, we all, my teachers knew um, I wasn't going to be a mathematician. We knew that it was pretty <laughs> um, strong with that. And I had an evaluation as an adult to receive uh, services and they put math handicapped. It's still really not like officially calling it that, but that is what people will, will call someone that has a math disability now. It's, they're more specific. Right. And, and I think that was, I, I like that it's a little more specific because I can remember going, when I was in school, everybody would uh, a lot would struggle with reading or they would have dyslexia or something like that. And I would get lumped together with the peers in the learning support room. Yeah. All of them struggled with um, reading things and um, I struggled with math. So it was really hard to find my identity with that. Before we go too deep in this, mm -hmm. I want to clarify a few things. So we've talked about the dyscalculia and I'm mm -hmm. going to say that slowly so I don't mess it up. Then <laughs> <laughs> the hand dexterity. So um, the hand dexterity and the visual perception, do you think those two of those go together or do you think they are separate? I think they go together um, because it's just how my brain uh, processes uh, the information and just uh, how I'm 
it's just how my brain works and, and what I'm putting out there. And it's frustrating because I right. know, especially as a young child, I always love writing <laughs> and, and reading and I, people couldn't read my handwriting. And <laughs> sadly, a lot of people judged my character based upon my handwriting. I even had staff that would say, well, why don't you work? Um, if you really wanted to, you could, I can't read your writing and this looks really bad. Um, I even had one to put a W on my report card indicating weakness after I had the diagnosis. So I, I never thought that was exactly uh, a fair on my part. I can, I had a peer that told me, well, if you want to be a writer, you have to be neat. And I had another teacher that told me, well, I can, Judging by your handwriting, I can probably see what your room looks like at home. Now, I don't have a, I didn't have a very neat room, but that had nothing to do with, yeah, making all those assumptions and those judgments. And what really helped was whenever we started um, teaching me how to type, and that was, I believe, in ten, yeah, tenth grade. Uh, we we teach it younger now, and I always encourage the students I work with, like, yeah. Typing's a good thing. Yeah, that's make sure you're paying attention. <laughs> but um, now typing, though, because you've got because of the hand dexterity, was that yes? Did that help, or was that hard to learn? It was hard to learn. It, it most students uh, when I was in school, they take one semester of typing, and they're great. Right. I took a full year of it, and it it was still tough. Um, just to be able to learn how to do that. And I would, I, it was frustrating. I never got when they made those pictures of uh, different things. Oh, with, right, right. I remember yeah, that. <laughs> I, I still don't think I could do that. But <laughs> but once I got, uh, you know, I knew what I was doing, people could read my reports. People could read what right. I was saying. And that, it was worth it. So if I make a mistake here and there, I, I try to just give myself that, that grace for, for that. I mean, there are, thankfully there's technology that, that can help with, with things like that as well. So that was a really key thing. Um, and I think that the vision, and it's just amazing though, we didn't even find out about that until I was older. And then things just started to make sense. like. Oh, this is why not only my handwriting is horrible, but if I'm holding something in my hand, it just falls out sometimes. Or uh, this is why I can't have my hands work the, the way that they want to. And that's why certain things, uh, if I was in gym class, I couldn't kick the ball when I, well, I mean, that, that's with the other part, but I mean, I couldn't catch it. I wanted to. I knew, I, you know, I had the, the effort into it, but I just wasn't able to do it. And then with the visual perception, that can also be something um, I'm not able to drive. And once again, my parents knew driving was going to be a challenge with having all of this. And so they decided we were going to wait a year. And before we got in to do any lessons or uh, anything like that, my mom and dad had me go and mow the, the field. We lived out in the country. And instead of making really nice, uh, smooth lines, I ended up making uh, circles um, that look like crop circles. So that mystery is solved. <laughs> we, we know where they come from. Uh, and I also remember we, we were going uh, up our long driveway, and my mom 
if thank God she was in the car with me and I, we would otherwise we would have crashed into the garage. And oh, wow. my yeah. mom and dad knew that this might be a good idea to get a driver's license evaluation at, at a rehabilitation hospital. Right. And that was paid for by office of vocational rehab. And I passed everything else on the test. Vision was good. Um, I had enough uh, sense of what to do if the car broke down. I, I knew what to what to expect, you know, the, the responsibilities of a car. Um, but when they did this visual perception test, I, I, I didn't pass. And my mom prayed that day that um, it just would be what what God's will was. And th this is what, what it was. And I was really accepting of it because I knew that there was bus services. There was ways I could do this. In school, we talked a little bit about the that that you did use special ed services when you're in school. Mm -hmm. Did you? So you were in school in the '80s. Did you have an IEP at that time, or what was the? Yes. What was was it called an IEP? Yes, it was called an individual education plan. Okay. Um, I was really lucky to have the services that I did, and to have the teachers that were able to identify it. I wasn't one of the students that could mask having a disability it stuck out like a sore thumb <laughs> did you spend some time in the resource room and some time in a regular mainstream room or how how was your day let's let's right. let's look at elementary school first okay well it, initially i was in kindergarten and i had the diagnosis and i had to repeat kindergarten in a new school in our district the following year and uh, it was a it was a very interesting placement. I would begin my day uh, in a first grade classroom, sort of like a homeroom. Uh, we didn't have a lot of services set up for a student that was repeating kindergarten um, for that. And then I would go to uh, uh, learning uh, support in the morning, where they would uh, we would work on reading and writing and all the academics that that I needed and the help that I had and. Then I would go back and eat lunch with my uh, first grade peers. And then it would be kindergarten in the afternoon. And then I would go home. It, it was really good though, because I, I got those skills that I, a lot of those skills that I needed. Right. Um, and, and as I progressed through school, that I was able to start being in regular ed classes with my peers for science, social studies, and some reading. And I had supports though. I would go, when okay. I had a test, I would go in uh, the learning support classroom and I would have the test read to me and I would get extended test time. It was hard though, because of the size of our school. It was a very, I live in a very small town, very, um, had a very small school district. Yep. Um, you couldn't hide. There was just no room to blend in. And I, that was really hard because a lot of my peers, they knew I went to the learning support, um, and the bullying started really early and the rejection. Um, I wondered from about my peers. that. Yeah. And it just, that, that was really, that was tough. Uh, Cause all I wanted to do as a young child was just be like my friends and be yeah. able to learn and, um, make my parents proud, but which they've always been proud of me. Um, but I just wanted to learn like every other student. I didn't want to have the, the individual education plan. I didn't want to have right. any special classes. I didn't want to feel like I was any different than my peers. So that was really hard during those elementary school years. Did you go to middle school with the same peers that you were in elementary school with? Yes. And then we had peers that went to the different school districts 
um, were in the class and they all came to middle school. So it was okay. a mixture. So, so you're able to meet some new kids yes, there then. Yes, but I soon had the same difficulties that I that I had. That, that, that got a lot worse um, as I progressed throughout school. Academic-wise, for everything except for math and gym class, it got a lot easier. Did you have modifications in your gym class? I had some classes where I was separate, where we did have, um, like, adaptive. But it wasn't like we do now where you have an actual class. It was me and the teacher and maybe, like, one other student. But um, they... In fact, I can still remember <laughs> uh, by the time I was in high school, I really didn't want to do that. And I, I can still, I mean, I, I would blink every time the volleyball would come at me. And we had some girls in that class that they, they, they played for blood. And I can remember the gym teacher four years. And then finally she goes, do you want to go ride the exercise bike or walk? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I, and I love doing that. And that... I'm like, if we would have figured this out when I was in ninth grade, that would have made it a lot easier. But I, I was glad that she, that. <laughs> Wait, and you're bringing in to to the conversation more than just your own personal experiences because of your career path too, and mm -hmm. working with with children with disabilities. So you're you're seeing it from both sides from the teacher yep. side of it, as well as the, the being the child yourself. Exactly. I'm sure you're a phenomenal teacher oh, well, um, working you. with the kids. <laughs> well, um, yeah. to be able to connect with them on a personal level, you know, you're, you're bringing in, you're, you're able to think from their point of view where the next person may not be able to do that as easily. Exactly. Cause I will have students to come in and it's almost like listening to a recording of myself at that age. Um, <laughs> I'll have students that'll say, I hate my disability. I'm like, well, okay, I've been there. I, 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 I understand what that's like. And they don't want to have an IEP. Well, I've, I've, I've been there too. Like I can, and, uh, I, I kind of go, I'm able to go in and show them how to advocate for themselves. We'll have um, students that'll come in saying, I'm really struggling in this class, but I'm afraid to ask the teacher for help. And most of the staff I work with are wonderful. They're phenomenal with wanting to help and wanting to, to, uh, to do stuff. But we're, we're not mind readers. If, if we don't have um, a way of knowing what's going on, we can't really help them. So I'll go and uh, I'll tell them, okay, this is how we ask, ask, advocate for stuff, go up and talk to somebody. The nice way to do it, even when you're um, upset and, you know, scared and anxious. And uh, and that's sometimes that's really neat to be able to go in there because I understand where they're coming from. I've been that uh, scared kid that didn't want to go up and ask for help, but really needed to, to be able to ask for that. It's, it's almost like I've come full circle when I get to go back and I get to now help some students to, to be able to do that. Right. It's so rewarding for me. With with this calculia, um, so you don't have reversals with the numbers. It's the no. processing itself. Is the that processing correct? itself, and okay. even people. A lot of people will say, "Well, what about using a calculator?" And that always comes up on my uh, list of accommodations. And I would certainly say that it's definitely something that that can be of some use. But it, it's it's very limited for me because my problem isn't I. I can't put the numbers in. 
it's, I just don't understand the process uh, of how they work. I get lost in a lot of the steps on really complicated things. Um, I don't, I, I can still remember um, not being able to uh, remember all my uh, facts for addition, subtraction, multiplication. I, I, I know some of them, but I, if, it's always interesting if I'll get someone that'll just come up in the hall and ask me a random math fact. I've had that before, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, that that's just something that I, I, I just can't do that. And then another really thing that a lot of people would really be surprised with having it is, I can't read the face of an analog clock. It, it makes... I mean, I can know, I know there's numbers, I know there's the big hand, I know there's the little hand, and I know there's lines, I can see those, but it just doesn't make a, a lot of sense to me, and I found out that's a pretty common thing with someone that has a math disability. I, I have friends that say, I can't read the, the clock either, so you have a digital watch, and um, I think a lot of what does help is if you can visualize it, and, and yeah. Um, that that's a big thing like i am great i'm well not 100 percent great but if you would give me 20 bucks and have me go to the store i can have a way of uh budgeting for that i mean it still may right. be a surprise when i go there but i get an idea because i can see the the dollars going i can see the quarters or i can see that mm -hmm. but if you give me a debit card uh, I don't have a whole no. lot of uh, <laughs> a, a concrete, I mean, it's because it's more right. abstract. So sometimes yeah. you can see that. And also, um, you know, queuing or, or clearing up a lot of myths. Because I remember when we did fractions, I always thought that you, you'd see the little number on something and you would think that was bigger or you or you see the big number and the teacher and, would say, yeah right oh you, yeah here i go missing <laughs> that up um and the teacher would say, oh well that that pie you want the you know you must not be hungry and i and i met and nobody ever explained that to me and i and i couldn't see it so that that was a hard thing and i think also knowing when somebody is struggling and using that scaffolding to um, to go forward and to go mm -hmm. back when they're when they're struggling and say, okay, where are you? At? You mentioned earlier um, that was when the bullies started. Yes. Now that was elementary school. That yes. when you were talking about that, um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I quickly um, part of it was too. I was an only child, so I've had a lot of adult interaction. And okay. I got to school and I was like, oh, okay, I have peers here. How, how do I interact? I had like a little more oh, of yeah. an advanced <laughs> vocabulary. Um, so that that was hard to, to be able to relate with that. My brother didn't come along until I was 13. But then I soon became uh, the, the dumb kid or I became the outcast or I, I wasn't considered a valuable uh, member of, of the class. And I just... I had a hard time, how, how do I identify? How do I fit in, uh, socialize with peers? I mean, when I mainly had a lot of time with adults and uh, just wasn't really getting a lot of, um, uh, you know, support from my, my peers and uh, w what I was good at. And then, of course, I'm in gym class and you blink every time a ball hits, it comes to you. Then <laughs> people kind of um, were pretty mean about that too and um, just weren't, weren't always very kind about that. So I kind of learned, uh, you know, how to um, 
be by myself and uh, a lot of that or how to you know, just be able to sit there with a book and be you know to be happy with with that so that was really to and I think in those early years it was um I, I just wanted to have a friend like you know a best friend mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I can remember that I would hear all these narratives of how to handle bullies like there was always the Oh, you, you would go up to the bully and say, can't we be friends? And that would right. work out wonderful. <laughs> well, I went up to, I think, one of the most popular girls in elementary school. And I said, well, can't we be friends? And she told me no. I'm like, oh, I never saw that on TV. Or yeah. you would get um, the, the students that would, everybody, all the other kids in the class would go and confront the bully. And um, you know, the, the bully oh, would right. change the right. or they would all support yeah. him. Well, a lot of times th th that rarely happened. And a lot of times I had to, you know, stand alone with that. That a lot of what happened though, as I went through school, uh, I was still getting picked on and it was harder because the groups became more defined. So we had people that were into this or people that were friends with that. Right. And a lot of people they, that I may, may have had a couple friendships with in elementary school that I managed to, they didn't want to hang out with me because I wasn't going to <laughs> make them popular or they, they were kind of, they didn't want to be seen with me. And I held on to a lot of those relationships that I probably should have, you know, just been like, okay, don't, don't do that kind of stuff. Cause I thought, well, no one else is right. going to like me. I did end up though, finding students in a neighboring school district um, that were involved with an art program. And these kids didn't know who I was. And I did come out with and say I had a disability. And I, I think I had problems with one person, one or two. There's always one. Um, but for the most part, they were very kind, very accepting. I was able to shed that uh, image of having the, the screw up or the dumb one. And I had acceptance. And that just gave me a lot more confidence. And... I even developed friendships outside of that, that uh, in other groups with some peers that were just a few years older than I was, they were already out of school. <clears throat> and I was able to, uh, you know, I'm still friends with them. And that was another writing group that we were involved with. And that just gave me that confidence. And I'm so glad that I made that, <laughs> um, that leap to, to go and see what else was out there. So it sounds like um, we'll get into some advice in just a minute, but it sounds like um, maybe parents helping to to help their child find a group somewhere along where their interests are um, may help through that. Because I'm thinking in middle school, especially you you had mentioned how I, th I think when you first mentioned the bullies, and then it, then it got worse. Middle school is tough for any kid. Um, that you know, every, everyone's insecure. Everyone's trying to figure out who they are, <laughs> and so as you say, you know, there's if if you can make them more popular, then they're going to be your friend. If not, then then pro probably not. Um, but I but I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone who did not have some type of bully type situation in middle school. Um, so during those years would be a good time maybe to start really helping your child find some type of program um, or just just hangout group or something that's a similar interest right. um, with their child. So I, 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 I'm, I'm glad you're able to find that because not everyone does stumble on that until after, well after being out of high school. Did you continue with school? What did you do after high school? I did. I was able to, go, I went to college. Now I always knew I wanted to go to school, 
but I didn't know if I could do it. <laughs> and I had some staff that didn't think I could do it as well. I can remember a learning support teacher telling me, with your math, I don't think you could handle um, going on to school, on to college. So why don't we put you in vocational training? But nothing interested me. They didn't have right. early childhood program. And I can remember I had a student teacher that told me, you know, you can go to college. And she started to tell me there were students with disabilities. And I was like, oh, okay. So that was an eye opener. And sometimes that's the voice that I heard. Um, when I got evaluated for a learning disability, because I was connected with Office for Vocational uh, Rehabilitation, and um, they were like, uh, the psychiatrist told me that, um, he didn't th he didn't think I could go beyond community college and when I got into the college that had the disability accommodations I was also told my job choices were going to be limited and once again I had that stigma from my peers that they were like uh, you're getting an unfair advantage and why are oh, you using yeah. this and you're uh, putting yourself in a box and I thought well okay I'm not going to use it uh, that was not a good choice for me. <laughs> um, my grades really plummeted because of that. I was really struggling. And the same right. people that told me that I shouldn't be using them were the ones telling me I could do better. And uh, it just, it was really difficult. And I can remember I was in a class and I was really struggling. And the professor, I was talking with her and she said, why don't we at least try to get you some extended test time? And right. I, I, st I started getting extended test time. And I was able to, uh, you know, pass her class. I didn't do well in it, but I passed it. And I was able to get my associates in early childhood. And I moved out on my own. I was worked in um, some centers, uh, subbing, had some part-time jobs. And I nice. just always wanted more for myself though. And, and I found a yeah. program at, at university that I really liked and had the least amount of math, least amount of science. Right. Possible. I was, I was thinking, looking, looking for those yeah. things. Yep. <laughs> and we did a philosophy based math course. Okay. Because uh, we knew that was going to be a, a real struggle. Um, and I also embraced accommodations at that point. I went in and I got the note taker. I did the extended test time. I did the tutoring. Yep. Most importantly, I advocated for myself. I was would go up and introduce myself to a new professor at the end of class saying, these are the services I'll need. And mostly it worked out, had one or two that might've uh, had some issues in their classes, but for the most part, it was just really uh, neat. Uh, my, I made Dean's List one semester Nice. And I was able to, my grades were a lot better and I was, I still had the stigma, but I didn't really care at that point. I think once I went to community college and I thought it's okay if I struggle in a class or it's okay if I don't have the, the perfect grades or it's okay if somebody doesn't exactly agree that I'm getting extended test time or tutoring that that's fair. Um, as long as I knew I was trying my best, that's what I, I that's what mattered and I was able to get the bachelor's degree and despite, thank you, yeah, despite everybody telling me I couldn't do that. And so that was my uh, experience with school. I've kept you for quite a bit here now, but I want to, um, I did want to 
have you tell our listeners a little bit about your blog and your photography. Sure. So, so tell us what that is, where they can find it, and, and what sure. types of content you have. Sure. Writing has always been a passion of mine. I can remember I had a friend, I was in a writer's group, and she told me, you know, you really should write about your story. And I said, oh, I don't know if I want to write about my learning disability. I just kind of want to pretend like that doesn't exist. And I think I wrote some really bad poetry and some other stuff that is kind of cringeworthy at this point. Um, but I can remember I took her advice and I wrote my first article um, about having limited hand dexterity and it got published. And I can remember just feeling um, just connected with other people because people would be like, oh, that's my story. And I had that and that led to more oh, articles. Wow. And I started a blog called michellesmission.blog. And I write a lot of disability articles and just what that's like with having a disability. And I can just, and I also put some of my photography on there of some of the flowers and other things that I um, have in place. So... Nice. Yeah, and then that's 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 very rewarding for me, and it, it's just been the most healing thing is is writing about it and just just um, getting, being able to connect and to be able to help other people that have disabilities. Excellent, excellent. I, I I took a peek at it, and those that are listening, you may want to check it out. She's she's got some fantastic photography on there, and um and I skimmed through a couple of your articles, and you're you're very very gifted writer. I I enjoyed oh, reading what you. what I saw on there. So if our listeners have any questions to after listening to this that they want to ask you about, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, they can um, find me on Facebook. I'm on there as well. If you, I can give you the link for that. I'm yeah, I can, also, I can put that in the yeah. show notes. And I'm also on Instagram. And they can contact me on my blog as well. Okay, so we'll put those that are listening or if you're watching on YouTube, we'll put the the links in the show notes or the description so you'll see that. And as always, it'll be on the web page too for it. Um, Well, Michelle, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences with us. Um, I know we're kind of all over the place, but but I really enjoyed talking with you. And um, there were were so so many different interesting areas to, to, to dig into. So thank you so much for being on today. Oh, thank you so much, Tanya. It's been a pleasure. And those um, that are listening, remember to go and take your guess of whether you think her truths were true or her lie was a lie, which one it was, and we'll we'll post the answer to that in in a week. This podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you want to help offset the cost of producing the Water Prairie Chronicles, become a supporter at buymeacoffee.com slash waterprairie. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast created to encourage and support parents of special needs children. If you found value in this episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners. I'm glad you were able to join us today and hope to see you back next week for another episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles.